Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. God, we thank you. God, we thank you that we don't come to hear from a person, but we come to hear from you. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place just to speak to us. Speak into the deep, dark places. God, the moments where we want to hide away. God, speak into our full lives. Lord, we look forward with great expectation and anticipation for the ways that you're going to speak to us this morning, the ways that you're going to minister to us this morning. Thank you, Lord, that we can come celebrating a live God, a real God that is tangibly with us this morning. So, Lord, we are ready to hear what you are going to say to us in these few moments that we have together. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Yeah. As you know, we are, we are second last week of this series that we've called Return. And the thing that I love about God is, one of the many things that I love about God is the fact that at the start of the year, as we, as a staff team, we sat down and we began dreaming and thinking through, God, what do you want to say to our church? What do you want to say to each of us over the year? We sort of, we, we plotted out a bit of a sermon series roster over the whole year. And yet we didn't know at that particular moment in time that we would also experience a thing called COVID-19. We, we didn't really the fact that we weren't able to meet together for five and a half months and that we would also start back right now in this place uh, walking into a series called Return. What we're not talking about just is returning and gathering together back as a church, but actually what God has been saying since the creation of time is that he's imploring us and seeking us to come back to him. But I need to confess something to you. Are you ready? Ready for my confession? This is my confession. I have never played a friendly game of anything in my life. Is anyone else with me? Who likes kind of just playing games for the fun of it? Who likes playing games because we know that the, the purpose in playing a game is to what? It's to win. Thank you. Anyone else with me? You don't like kind of, you know, like an overly friendly game play. You, you play to win. Yeah, good. There's, there's four of us here. There's a few more in the first service. This service is more of a, a loving, caring service. Uh, and so I, I'm, I'm one that if I'm going to play, it's, I'm playing to win. And so I, one, of the, one of the challenges that I have faced in my life is that we've got married and we've had kids, is I'm now in a significant moral dilemma. My significant moral dilemma is this. I know that being a dad means that I'm supposed to let my kids win. However, it's a significant sacrifice and a significant challenge for me not to want to I said in the first service, beat my kids, but that sounds really bad. To, to, to defeat my children in playing various different games. So one of the games that we love to play as a family is a game called Monopoly. And, uh, you know, we've all played the game Monopoly. You know, we, you, you, know you pick your, uh, your, your different uh, character that you're going to be, whether it's the car or the whatever the other ones are. And you kind of, you know, you start the game of Monopoly kind of just like everyone, you know, nicely with a little bit of laughter, a little bit of fun, kind of begins to rotate around and trying to buy up different properties. And, and then all of a sudden, dad gets the game face on. And all of a sudden, it goes from a fun game to a very serious game. And dad's job is to beat all of the children in a game of Monopoly. I need to finish the rest of that sentence. In a game of Monopoly. And, and, and I know the theory is as a dad, I'm supposed to let my children win. The reality as a dad is I don't do that very well. 
And all of a sudden, it's game time. And I'm repossessing houses and, 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 and hotels and properties left, right and center. I'm trying to buy everything up. And then we come to the end of the game and the end of the game always finishes like this with dad sitting at the table with his big wad of cash of Monopoly money, you know, kind of just going like this to the children as, as they're humiliated the fact that they've just been beaten by their dad in, a ga- in another game of Monopoly. I have a desire to win in every game that I play. And our world is so focused on winning. Our world is so focused on pushing ourselves to succeed. Our world is so focused on pushing our children to win and succeed. All you have to do is go to a local sporting game on a Saturday morning and you witness a whole bunch of parents standing around the rim of, of the, 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 the arena as they're watching their children play a game and then parents get a little overzealous, we'll just call it overzealous, a little overpassionate and, and sometimes end up in, in fisticuffs and arguments and yelling and parents getting banned from watching their kids playing in sporting games. You see, we live in a world that's focused on winning, succeeding in life, getting ahead of the next person. And we judge ourselves according to how far we're getting ahead, how far we're succeeding. But I've got a question for us this morning. And it's a question I want to ask you to be honest with yourself. And it's this question. Is it really all about winning. What would Jesus really be interested in? This morning we're going to jump into a passage in the book of Revelation. So if you've got your Bibles together or a piece of technology, it's really easy because you just open anywhere and turn right, which is that way for you guys. Uh, and so you just open up Revelation chapter 2. But while, we're, while you're finding that, I want to just add a little bit or give you a little bit of context of what is going on at this particular time. Uh, John, the author of the book of Revelation, is writing on behalf of God. God's given him a bunch of words that he wants to give to the church in Ephesus. Now, the, the, the city of Ephesus was a really interesting city. It was, it was a city, it was one of the largest, most wealthy, most progressive, influential city in in the then known world. It had a bustling harbor and port that was the envy of every other city. It was not just any city, but it was the place to be. It was kind of the place that everyone wanted to go to and you wanted to be there. And you wanted to be there especially if you're a particular type of person, a particular type of character known as a shady kind of character. And that was because in this particular city, there was the temple of Artemis. And in this temple, it was known that it was, it was actually a safe haven. It was actually asylum for any criminals. And so it was a place where if, you had, if you'd done some shady kind of things in your life, that if you got to that temple, then you were safe. No one was allowed to arrest you. No one was allowed to do anything to you. And so you can imagine what kind of characters would end up in this particular temple. And to make it a little bit more interesting, they also had hundreds and hundreds of sacred prostitutes. So you can imagine the kind of environment, the kind of people that would gather at at this particular temple and that would actually gather in this city and the people that this city would attract. In fact, one of the ancient philosophers, and this was his hometown, he said this about the church in Ephesus, sorry, not the church, but about the city of Ephesus. He said, no one could live in Ephesus without weeping at his immorality. And yet this is where God chose to send a group of people to start a church. 
Have you ever noticed that some of the brightest lights shine the brightest in the darkest places? Ever noticed that light shines the brightest in the darkest places? So let's read a few verses from uh, Revelations chapter 2, verse 2 this morning. And it says this, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you, may, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you've, you had at first. You consider how far you've, you've fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. Now, I don't know about you, but as I've been reading that passage over, over this week, I kind of feel a little bit... Uh, a little bit like that the early church was a little bit hard done by. I mean, just stop for a moment and think about what is being said. I mean, all of a sudden there's this affirmation. Look at all the great things you've been. Look at the ways that you've been winning it. You've been nailing it. It's like it runs on the board. You've been winning. Look at all the different things that you're doing right. I mean, you're doing this right and that right. And I mean, you're working hard and you're perseverance and your character is good. And, and you're all, it's all of these great things. There's all of these different ways that you've been winning. And you know, in the midst of all the winning things that you're doing, you're not even growing tired. I mean, look at, you're doing all this stuff. No one's growing tired. This is fantastic. And then there's a really big word, which is a really small word called yet. And then everything changes. John here is saying, hey, you know what? You're doing good. You're doing the right things. You're working hard. This is fantastic. You're keeping it on the straight and narrow and everything else. And yet you've forsaken your first love. But they weren't the first and the only ones. They would never be the first and the only ones to forget their first love. And, you know, as you read through the Gospels, there's a group of people who, who their job was to get it right. Like this group of people, like they knew everything. They knew all of the rules and all of the regulations and all the commandments and everything else. They'd blown the Ten Commandments out over a thousand different rules and regulations. These guys had it all in a bag. They knew which ones to tick. They knew which boxes to tick and which ones to not tick. They knew and they had it all right. Their job was to get it all right all of the time and they were exceptional at it. But they were missing something. They were missing something while getting it all right. They were missing something. And in Mark chapter 3, we read this story. And it goes like this. Another time, Jesus went to the synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking at a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he, sorry, to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked him, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out. And his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. One of the other translations 
says about one of the verses at the end. It translated this, and he says, He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. You see, here was a group of people who their job was to tick the boxes to get it all right. And they were exceptionally good at ticking the boxes and getting it all right. They're exceptionally good at winning in all the different aspects of life. But Jesus came to earth. Jesus came to earth to point out the two greatest problems the world has ever had and will ever have. He wasn't pointing out coronavirus or anything else like that. But he was pointing out the fact that, number one, we're disconnected from God. And number two, we, start, we can't stay connected to each other. See, Jesus was saying to the church in Ephesus, he was saying to the Pharisees when he was standing there with them, and he's saying to us this morning that, you know, you, you're doing the good stuff. You're winning and you're in all sorts of categories in life. You're busy, you're working hard. There's all of these great things and you're ticking the boxes, you're winning, you're doing everything else. But in the middle of your winning, somewhere along the line, in the middle of doing all of the stuff right and getting it all right, in the middle of doing all of these things, We've got disconnected from the source. In the middle of doing all of these things right, we somehow got disconnected from God. I was thinking about it during the week and going, what are the ways that I find myself falling into that place of disconnecting from God? And you know, the obvious one at the start, well, let's, let's, let's go with that one because it's the really easy one. The easiest way that we disconnect from God is when we sin. You know, when we blow it, when we make a mistake, we do that thing, we look at that thing, we, whatever it might be, we say that thing, and we just, and we, and I don't know if you're anything like me, but in those moments where I sin, where I, where I, where I stuff up, it's like I get myself, I take myself to the naughty corner of the room, and I sit down, and then I beat myself up a little bit, and then when I feel like I've beaten myself up a little bit, then I kind of come back to God. Is that, does anyone else do that, or is that just how I can do things at times? And yet, 1 John 1, 9 says this, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us. In other words, what God's saying is what we need to understand, we don't need to take ourselves to the naughty corner. All we need to do is accept by faith and grace all of what Jesus did and the price that he paid and allow him to take care of the rest. You know, Sin is a really easy way that we disconnect from God. But I reckon, if, if I'm honest, I reckon the biggest challenge we all face in 2020, the biggest thing that so easily uh, disconnects us from God is our busyness. I mean, after the service, we're going to head outside afterwards, we're going to grab a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, some bickies, some, some things to eat. We'll connect with some people that we've maybe not met with or maybe we just haven't seen in five and a half months. And we'll go outside and someone Money back guarantee. I've got Monopoly money on the ground. So money back, Monopoly money guaranteed. Someone at some point will say this, how was your week? And you'll say what? Busy. It's kind of like, I reckon our world or our Western world wears busyness like a, a badge of pride. When was the last time you looked at someone and if they said, how was your week? You said, oh, not, not too busy. Part of our little weird brain, or maybe it's just me, we kind of think, maybe they're a little bit lazy or, you know, we kind of, we go to this place of judgment. Don't laugh because you think the same thing as well. We wear this busyness like pride. 
And yet, what I find, and what I dare say you find as well, is that life is busy, and work is busy, and family's busy, and sports busy, and stuff's busy, and this is that is busy, and everything else. And all of a sudden, the busyness begins to get in the way of our walks with God and begins to cause a bit of a disconnection because of the busyness that we live in. I reckon the other way, that the other thing that disconnects us from God is when we lose heart. And I reckon there's people here this morning that, you know, you've been praying for people, for loved ones who are far from Jesus, and you've been praying and praying and praying that they would come back to Jesus. They're like the prodigal who have wandered away and you go, God, and, and, and yet you're still praying today and you feel like the harder you pray, the further they go. And there's a little part of us that wrestles with this and you begin to find yourself just disconnecting a little bit. Or maybe you might be, pray, you might be praying for healing for you or for someone that you love. And, and it seems like the more you pray and the harder you pray, the sicker they get. Or maybe that's just some of my instances at times. And yet all of a sudden we begin to lose heart in the midst of it and go, I just... I struggle with a God who says that he cares, and yet what I see is it looks like he doesn't. And we begin to disconnect from God a little. I reckon this is another really easy one that we find assisting us in our disconnection, is distraction. You know, we've all, we all know about Pastor Jace's and his, and his milk crate that he walks around McKenzie, and you know, you'll all see him when I'm up there on a Tuesday and he'll just disappear off to somewhere and he's got a milk crate there and he just spends his time praying for our church and praying for you. And it's his little time. I don't know about you, but in the midst of everything that's gone over in the last five and a half months, there's more distractions, more things, various different things going on. And it's so easy to disconnect ourselves due to the, the distractions of life and the uncertainty of what's going on around us. And the last one I reckon that can cause disconnection in us is a loss of routine. For five and a half months, none of you would come here. And I would sit in my office by myself. And for five and a half months, I would pray for you. For five and a half months, we planned and we did all sorts of various different things. But for five and a half months, none of us had the routine of coming to a church regularly on a Sunday. And so all of a sudden, we begin to find our routines a little bit out of balance. You know, maybe our, our, our prayer times or our quiet times and various different things that began to kind of just let slip in, the, in the, the, the change of routines and the change of things that, that our world has been living in. But I want to say to you this morning that there is always hope. I want to say to you this morning that I've not come to beat you up and kind of go, you know what, we all blew it. Because the reality is every one of those things, every one of those, those, those five different areas that can cause, cause us disconnection are some of the challenges that I face as much as you face with. But there is always hope. See, God never came to beat anyone up. He never came to tear anyone down because our world is doing a great enough job in that. But Jesus always comes to bring hope. And the thing that I love about this passage in, in Revelation chapter two, it's kind of like he encourages and then there's this big word yet. But in the midst of the yet, there's a whole bunch of things where God wants to speak hope and speak life. And there's three R's that I want to talk to this morning in the few moments that we've got together, gathered together. The first, the first R, as, as we rebuild our life and, and return to Jesus again, is the first thing that God calls us to do is remember. 
I remember when Shadi and I first started dating. And I would buy flowers and chocolates and take her on dates and do various different things in an attempt to win her heart. And what I would do is I would do all these things because I wanted her to know that I love her and loved her back then, but love her still and value her. And so I would do all these things in an attempt to try and gain her affection, gain her appreciation and gain her love. And yet what I found myself doing is over time, those five things that I talked about before, business, you know, all of a sudden we have, a, we have a disagreement, we have a fight and you begin to lose a little bit of heart in the relationship. Or maybe distractions happen and, and routine begins to happen and various different things begin to get in the way and it begins to diminish our love for each other. And you know what? It's the same with Jesus. You know, all of those things begin to get in the way and they begin to diminish our love for him. Not his love for us, but our love for him. But God calls us back to return to him, to remember all of the things that he did with all of our, and to put our, our affection and our attention back on the one that we first loved. So this morning, I want to invite you to remember. I want, you, I want, to, I want to encourage you to call to mind. Remember when you first became a Christian? I don't know if that was here. For some of you, it was here. For some of you, it might have been another church or wherever it might have been. I want you to call to mind that moment where you first gave your life to Jesus. You know that moment where you recognized who you were really? And I went, God, I, I, I feel like I have no purpose to life and I was lonely and I was desperate. I, I came to the point where I realized that, that, that I couldn't do a whole lot and I realized how broken I was and I needed a savior. I needed someone who would give a purpose and a life to, and, a, and a purpose and a future to my life. And I remember that moment standing next to my dad in an event similar to this where I said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I, I still remember the moment where I, where I understood a little bit more of the gravity of the cross. That, that what, what God did is he chose that so that I didn't have to. That the gravity of the, 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 the gospel that was, that was all because of what Jesus has done, not because of what I've done. It's not about me winning, but it's actually about what God has already done. I want you to call to mind the blessings that God has blessed you with. Family, a church home that you can call family, friends, work, whatever it might be for you. Call to mind the things that God has blessed you with. That's the first R. The second R is that, that Jesus calls us to repent. Now, I, you know, we talked about this last week. One of the, one of the challenges with the word repentance is this. It, it, can, it can seem a really awkward churchy word. And yet repentance is simply this. It's a gift from God. It's, it's God saying, I've got something better for you and all you need to do is accept the free gift that I offer. But repentance is not. Doing it once Praying the prayer once, asking for forgiveness once, and then living the life that we just want to do, doing whatever we want to do. Repentance is not asking God for forgiveness and then intending to do the sin that we just repented from. Repentance is an honest acknowledgement of the sin with a desire to change. And the third R 
The third R is return. Two, critical, two, uh, sorry, two Corinthians at 12 verse 9 says this, My grace is all you need. My power works best in your wins. No, it doesn't say that. It says, my, my power works best in your weakness. I don't know about you, but grace still amazes me. <laughs> that thought that God loves me, God, God loves me at full capacity, no matter whether I have the worst day or the best day, that God's love doesn't, doesn't diminish or, or go higher or lower according to, according to what I've done during the week. But God loves me because of who I am as a position, not because of my performance. That God loves me not because I win or because I lose, just because I'm his son. Grace just blows my mind when I realize that it's not about me winning, but it's about what God has already won. The grace, the free gift of salvation that God offers, not because of what we've done or because of what we haven't done, but because of who he's made us and called us to be as his children. So this morning, God's reaching out his hands to us. And he's saying, will you, will you return? Will you reconnect? He's calling us, will you plug back in to me? At our house, there's a, a piece of machinery that looks somewhat similar to this. It's a machine that does get a little bit of use Mostly by my wife, let me just confess that before we go any further, but also a little bit from me. But there's also a couple of spots in a house that, you know, when you go to plug it in at the PowerPoint and you're kind of, you know, you're doing your thing. And if you're anything like me, my, probably most guys will, would, would sit in this one. We, I'm just a little bit lazy to uh, keep unplugging it and plugging it in some, a little bit further. And so as it gets further and further, it kind of gets to the point where, like, the, the, the cord is, is, is at full capacity. And, the, uh, and then the electrical cord is at full capacity over there, but there's still a few spots that I can't quite reach. And so there's those, that moment where I, I could, I could just unplug it, move it to one, and then we'd be fine. Or we can just continue to try and reach. And, and there's only like a little bit more. There's only like maybe another four or five meters. And so like I, I figure that if, if what I do is like, so I've, I've worked it out, people. This is how it works. So what you do is you, you fall, okay, cool. We, so that's, that, just imagine that was plugged into a PowerPoint at full capacity, all right? And so then, uh, then if you just, what I, I play this little game with myself. It's all about yanking, which I know is going to unplug it. I know I'm not I'm that, that smart. So I know it's going to unplug, but I'm just, I'm hoping in my faith is in the fact that there's still a little bit of suction built up in there and through here. And so what will happen is that by the time it stops, which is going to be pretty quick, I've managed to get to the spot uh, and suck up the dirt. This is what always happens, all right? And I still completely can play the game. I'll probably play the game this afternoon. And, and what, I, what I end up doing is this. I end up just pushing the dust around and the dirt around in that corner because the vacuum cleaner isn't plugged into the source and it's not working. And so all I'm now doing is just doing this, which is about as efficient as what I'm doing right now. The vacuum cleaner isn't plugged into the source. The vacuum cleaner isn't working. It's not making any noise and it's not sucking up any dirt in a house. On the outside, the vacuum cleaner 
looks like it's doing what it should. On the outside, it kind of looks somewhat impressive and it looks like it's, you know, it's, it's going to be able to work. But on the inside, because it's no longer plugged into the source, it's no longer doing anything. On the outside, it looks like it's kind of winning. You know, it's cool, cool. Hey, that looks fantastic. You know, it's achieving what it's been built to do and everything else. But in reality, because it's not plugged into the source, it's actually achieving none of what it was designed to do. I want to ask you a question this morning. How many of us are like my vacuum cleaner at home, just pushing dirt around our lives? Because we're not plugged into the source. Or there's been a a temporary disengagement with the source. So all I'm doing is pushing the dirt around in the life of my life. How many of us this morning are like a disconnected vacuum cleaner? Unplugged from the source, working hard, doing things, winning on the outside that looks like it's all working really, really well, but on the inside, nothing is happening. I want to read to you John 3.16 again. John 3.16, out of the the Passion Version, goes like this. For this is how much God loved you. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to judge and to condemn the world, but to be its savior and to rescue it. God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but to be its savior and and to rescue it. I started the service this morning with a question. What is Jesus really interested in? Is Jesus really interested in our wins? The moments where we feel like we've got it all together. Moments where we feel like we can high five everyone and go, you know what, look how great I'm doing. Or is Jesus really interested in a relationship with you? Is Jesus really interested in having you connected to the source? Is Jesus really more interested in not about what we do in the moments where we succeed and we nail it and we can stand with a sense of pride going, look at me! Or is He more concerned about what's going on inside and where our walk is with Him? morning is we conclude the service I want us to do something a little bit different a little bit vulnerable I want us to stand together and as we stand together we're going to do those three R's this morning we're going to remember we're going to repent we're going to return so if you would stand with me this morning the team's going to just play behind us. But what I want us to do this morning is I want us to take a a moment to stop and remember. I want us to take a moment and call to mind all of what God has done for us. You know, as I look around this room this morning, I see two couples who in the next month are gonna stand and become husband and wife. 
to amazing young couples who, who love each other, who love Jesus, and to stand and get married. And as I look around this room, I see, I see new babies born and new babies to be born. You know, as I stand around this room, I see people who have stepped foot in the church for the very first time. And I want you to know, you are welcome here. As I look around this room, I see people of all ages with one heart's desire to worship a good God, to love our community and see God change people's lives. As I look around this room, I see so many people's lives and I, and I know a lot of your stories. So why don't you just take a moment? See, there's, there's something significant about enabling our voices and, and speaking out our praises to our God. There's a moment, there's something significant when we stop and we go, God, I want to stop in the midst of everything else going on and the noise and the busyness and the everything else. God, I just want to stop and I'm not going to talk about my wins, but I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you that I love you and I want to tell you some reasons why I'm thankful for everything you've blessed me with. So why don't we just, this morning, as the team plays, why don't we with our voices begin to call out to God, thank Him for His faithfulness. Thank you for His faithfulness in this season and to name some of the blessings that He's blessed you with. So why don't we this morning, why don't we just begin to speak those words out to our Heavenly Father and say, God, I wanna thank you. God, I wanna thank you for my family. God, I wanna thank you for my kids. God, I wanna thank you for my marriage and my wife. So come on, let's just, let's just take a moment Let's just take a moment and why don't we just shout out to God, begin to speak out those words of gratitude. Remember all the things that God has done for you. Remember that He's faithful, that He is with you, that He's never left you, that He's never forsaken you. So come on, let's this morning, let's just speak out those words. God, we thank you, This morning, the team's going to sing a song. And the song's called, Lord, I Need you. What we're going to do this morning is that the, the team's going to sing those, those words or the lyrics of this song over us. And, and I want to invite you this morning. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're fully plugged in and you're doing great or you're just feeling like you're a little bit dry and you're a little bit barren, a little bit disconnected. Maybe you've walked away from God and said, God, this is kind of my last ditch effort. I just happened to turn up to church because I don't know. Maybe you've never been connected with God. But maybe this morning, as the team sing the words, Lord, I need you. I reckon every one of us can be in a place where God, God, I need you again. God, I need your strength. God, I need your courage. God, I need, I need you. God, I'm dry on the inside. God, I'm a little bit barren on the inside. God, I feel like I'm a little bit disconnected. So as the team begins to sing these words over us, this morning, I just offer you, ask you to open your hands and receive from a heavenly Father that loves you, that desperately wants to connect with you, that doesn't want you disconnected, that doesn't want you dry, that doesn't want you barren, but He loves you and He wants to meet with you and He wants to connect with you. So why don't you this morning, why don't we just raise our hands and cry out to Him this morning. Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. 
Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world.